We are speaking today with Lisa Montgomery, Chairman of Advice, an international educational consultancy focused on U.S. university admissions located here in London and in Princeton, New Jersey. Lisa, for our listeners, many of whom them are themselves products of U.S. higher education, the process of getting into U.S. universities seems almost unrecognizable. Talk to us for a moment about what you think are the most important changes to the admissions process that families face today. Of course, Kate, you're asking the most important question and the most difficult one in some ways to answer. Everything has changed, it would seem, from the time that the parents of high school-aged children themselves were applying to university I suppose the most complex one, but maybe the one that's most recognizable to parents, is global competition. When we applied to university, we being that, that generation that now has high school aged kids, the competition really wasn't global in the same way. International students were a rarity, an exciting rarity for other students, an intriguing mix into the pot for admissions people. That's no longer the case anymore. There's not just that funky kid from Bangladesh or from Sweden. Those kids are the competition. Students, like adults, compete in a global marketplace. And any adult can tell you that that has changed the way business is done in virtually every business that there is. That's the fundamental change. That, and I think the aspiration the wonderful aspiration of so many students globally that if you work like crazy and do a great job in school, you can aspire to a top university in the world. U.S., of course, is my concern, my company's concern. But the notion that you can aspire to, to great things is a piece of the American dream that American universities have brilliantly sold to the world. And good for them. I believe in the dream, I love the dream, but it changes the playing field entirely. I think that's the most important change. Okay. Um, Lisa, we've, we've just finished the 2013 uh, selection process. Were there any surprises this year? Um, every year is full of surprises. I don't suppose it's fair to be surprised anymore at how much the numbers are growing. That has been so consistent year in and year out. Every year I'll have someone say, oh, do you know it was the most competitive year in history? I'll say, yes, of course. And last year was the most competitive year in history to that point, And next year will be the most competitive year in history. So the numbers are booming. Because of that, it's tougher and tougher for universities to determine who's genuinely interested in their university and who's not who's gaming the system by applying to as many universities as they can afford to. You're not limited in America to the number of universities you can apply to. So you could, if you so chose, truly kick out 100 applications. Now, no one in their right mind would do that. It's too much work. It's too expensive with application fees at between 60 and $80 each. It's real money to apply to university and real effort on the part of the student. 
But when you're Boston University and you get over 50,000 applications, how are you meant to know who would like to come to Boston University and who needs Boston University in case they don't get in to Tufts or Harvard or something else? That to me was a point of notable interest this year, that if the universities couldn't see why you were in the pool, that that was perhaps working against you. I think that was a lot less true even five years ago. Of course it's not true in the same way for every university. Harvard wisely assumes that you are quite interested if you have applied. They have the best yield in the country off of their offers of admission. So if they want a freshman class of between 16 and 1700, they need to put out something on the order of 2,200 offers to get that 16 and 1,700. That number is way ahead of most other universities in America. And I am, for the sake of clarity here, really speaking about highly selective universities. Of course there are universities out there that are still desperate for applicants, outstanding colleges and universities that need more kids to apply. But when you're looking at gaining access to those very selective universities that you or I might have been able to assume if we had performed well in school and been dutiful and you were in the school play or you were on the debate team, you had a crack. It's just not true anymore. So kids have got to demonstrate their interest effectively in the process. And we still find universities saying again and again, how will this student contribute outside of the classroom? What's the passionate commitment? How do we know that when you get to this campus, you will make a difference in the lives of your peers, and not just in the classroom, but outside of the classroom? Are you the kind of person who knows how to dig in, grab something, and run with it? Because presumably, those are the people who, at the end of the day, are going to make the biggest difference in the world as adults. It's a very particular American philosophy, to my mind, that <clears throat> once you're smart enough, you're smart enough, and that you will be able to accomplish what you wish in life if a whole other set of factors come into play, irrespective of you being much smarter than smart enough. You don't actually have to be a genius to accomplish great things in life. But you need to have tons of fortitude. You've got to have confidence. You have to be committed. You have to be passionate. You need to be able to bounce back from setbacks. You need to be a leader, busting with ideas. It's those kinds of factors, those really difficult to quantify intangibles that the universities look for more and more. Yes, of course, you need to start by being smart enough. You need to have done very well in school. And the SAT or ACT ought not to have tripped you up. But I don't see any notable difference in kids with one more A plus or 20 extra points on the SAT once you've already hit that bar, then it's the other factors, those intangible personal qualities that they think are the factors that lead 
to you making an impact on your university, the world, your community, your family, whatever it might be. Can you give me some examples of how a student in putting himself forward would demonstrate this fortitude and confidence and passion and leadership ability? The application itself, if we refer to the common application as the most commonly used vehicle for admission, asks students to account for how they've spent their time outside of the classroom. How many hours per week, weeks per year, and years have you been devoted to ballet or your fascination with meteorology? They honestly don't care what it is that you care about, but they're not very interested in kids who don't care about much. That's not interesting. So when you take that little chart, it's like a mini condensed CV, and you fill in those hours per week and how many years you've been involved and how many weeks a year you do it. And then you get about 250 characters, characters, not words, total. It's about the size of a tweet or two. To say what, what that means, if you say that you are a ballerina, what does that mean? Are you dancing at Lincoln Center? Are you teaching littler girls how to dance? Or do you just take a lesson once a week because you so enjoy the beauty combined with the amazing strength and flexibility that it takes to be a ballerina? What does it mean to you? So you have to be able to narrow this thing down to a small number of characters and describe it in a way that's going to make the reader think, ah, Ballet, very nice. You got to grab them. And actually, this generation should be well suited to it. Okay. Follow on question How would you say you, U.S. universities tend to look at the pool of applicants who have uh, strong U.S. connections? They may be American citizens, or they may have an American parent, or, um, or they may have lived in the United States who are applying from outside the U.S.? Are they looked at as international students? How does that work? Most admissions offices have their admissions officers cover a particular geographic territory. So if you're going to school in the U.K., you will be read by the U.K. admissions officer for any given university. In that sense, you're naturally considered international because that person is reading that whole pool. And you're inevitably read with your school group first, and then, well, individually first, of course, and then as a part of your school group, and then concentric circles, then all of central London, all of Tuscany, all of Prague, whatever it might be, you're read with that, with that pool. If you're a U.S. citizen or you're American-connected, I do think it's particularly interesting to the universities how you see the culture that you are being raised in or that you are living in now. If you are perpetually a tourist, 
in wherever it is that you live. And maybe you're part of a family that every couple of years, because of mom's job or dad's job, has had to pick up and move. And it can be hard to lay down roots when every two or three years you're moving. It's tricky. But if you can, if you can connect in some meaningful way to the culture that you're part of, try to avoid staying within an expat-only community that then references their home country as their primary cultural and social experience. What difference does it make then that you happen to live in Berlin? If all your friends are American and you only hang out with Americans, who cares then that you're in Berlin? It's like when kids talk to me about travel and they'd like to talk on their applications about how well-traveled they are. I don't object to that notion. But if all that you can tell me is that there is a magnificent Four Seasons in many, many countries, what difference does it make that you have been to these many, many different countries? So dig in, learn the language, be part of the local community, at least connect to it, connect to that culture as much as you can. And that's going to give you the edge. Otherwise, you're a US citizen abroad, and you might as well have been in New York City or Westchester County or La Jolla or Chicago. Great. Um, what are, in your mind, really the top three things that international families um, should be mindful of when applying to US universities? I think the first one is not to count too much on how special you are because you're international. I do think a lot of families hope that that will give them a significant edge in the application process, and I'm not convinced that it does. So don't put a lot of weight on that piece of the puzzle. I would start there. Number two, really try to take the time, if you can, to go and visit universities in America. You might be surprised how foreign this is for your children if you've had them abroad for a long period of time. They honestly can't envision the University of Michigan. They really can't. <laughs> Any more than they can envision Marist or MIT. It's not as clear to them as it might be if you were raising them in the States and these names came up again and again and again. They start to then form a picture of something. And when you're coming from abroad, it's, it's not so easy to do that. So those would be my first two suggestions. Um, the other one would be to start thinking very early about standardized testing. By that I mean SAT and ACT. Because it is so much more complex abroad, you really have to have a grip on the schedule, the timing. The SAT and ACT are quite understandably built around a common U.S. school schedule. And schedules in other countries might look very little like that schedule. And you'd be surprised how tricky it can be to get the tutoring that you'd like for your child, to register them for test dates that don't bump up against school holidays, to make that work for you. That is super tough on families. So those would be the three things I think I would make sure I kept at the top of my mind. That's great. Um, 
Okay, you've been in this business a long time. What is the most, the single most important thing a parent can do to help their student get into a great school? Help your child find what they are excited about. Throw away the formula that you have in your mind about what it takes to get into a top university, except for the notion that you surely have that they ought to do very, very well in school. Hold on to that. Of course, every child should do as well in school as they can. But on the assumption that they're doing that, then the next most important thing is to help your child find their passion and be supportive of that passion. You just can't decide that if only you played the piano or didn't play the piano or climbed Mount Kilimanjaro or swam the English Channel that somehow it's all going to come together. You can really only ever be the best version of yourself that you can be. And to the extent that you try to be somebody else, thinking that might be the angle in, maybe this year they want bagpipers, maybe this year they need rugby players, maybe this year they need people who have been tagging sea turtles. If you try to game that, you end up being a pretty cheap imitation of someone else who really does care deeply about those things. And the universities can feel it, they can smell it, and then that child, if they don't get into the university that they were doing all of this for, are going to look back and say, what a ripoff. I did everything I was supposed to do. You told me to. I did it, and I still didn't get what I wanted. That doesn't work. You need your children to be able to look back on their education and say, I got the best out of it. I got the best out of myself. I did the most that I could. I loved it. I worked hard. And if I don't get into X university, that's okay, because I'm okay. That's what you have to teach them. They are okay. And what they love to do is okay. That's terrific. Okay, Lisa, you've been really generous with your time. We've covered, uh, I think, a wonderful range of uh, topics. And thank you very much for being on Tanager Talks. You're welcome. My pleasure. Okay. <laughs>